It was late at night, and a sad, tired group of basketball players and coaches boarded their Peter Pan bus to go back to New London after the Coast Guard lost to her sinus in the 2008 Elite Eight, the final game for the Magnificent Seven. Waiting for them was their bus driver. You remember him. The bus driver says he's Reggie Jackson's cousin. Reggie's cousin had a plan. Coast Guard SID Jason Southard. The bus driver looks at Pete Barry and he says, I got a shortcut. In the annals of great decisions, taking a shortcut to get through Collegeville, Pennsylvania to Interstate 278 at close to 11 o'clock at night does not rank particularly high. This is my broadcast partner, Scott Sieplick. So we start going down a road in Pennsylvania that was designed for horse and buggies back in the 1800s. And as we're coming around, the hubcap clips a granite foundation of a house that was about two inches off the road. The person with the most vivid recollection of that moment is New London Day sports writer Mike DeMauro. And all of a sudden, the next thing you hear is, boom. And somebody in the back of the bus goes, we just hit a house. And none of us knew the line from Peter Pan when he goes, I'm flying. None of us knew that that would actually be the safer mode of transportation that weekend. Prebeck, who obviously knows about these things, starts talking about there's a leak and he's talking about ball bearings and none of it sounds good. And all I could think of was who on planning and zoning would allow that thing so close to the street? The first call he made wasn't to try to get us another bus but it was to his rep for his union. Pausing here to note, no one was hurt, and as far as we know, the house suffered no damage. It was the bus that took the brunt of it. This was just a situation in which, as Grant Johnson said, The fairy tale ended. The chariot turned back into a pumpkin. So Cinderella's, Cinderella's ride was over. Not to mix fairy tales, but the bears were sleepy and grumpy team manager Zach Robertson. And everyone was just angry and frustrated and upset. Why is this happening to us? How dare the house hit us? How dare the bus hit the house? None of us could appreciate the fact that the bus just hit a house. It was all about why is our life being disrupted on our way home any more than it already has at this point. I remember clear as day, Coach Barry looks at the bus driver and goes, nice shortcut. The, the bus is, you can't get anywhere. He basically gets the bus down a hill to like a Wawa. So again, we hadn't eaten yet. So he parks the bus next to this huge pile of, I'll say the words, a huge pile of horse. It was manure. It was just like a compost pile. And the smell was awful. You just lost the, the toughest game you can lose. And now your bus is parked up next to a pile of shit. For those unfamiliar, Wawa is a chain of stores similar in nature to 7-Eleven. So everybody goes in to the Wawa to get food. The highlight of the entire trip for me was the poor local guy who walks in. He just wants to get a quart of milk and sees 30 people in line in front of him. I even started to laugh. And of course, being the Coast Guard guys they are, they let him go up front and pay. And that was Speaking of shopping, Mike DeMauro called his wife. 
And I said, listen, I don't know what time I'm going to get home. And she says, where are you? I said, a Wawa in suburban Philly. Can you get cat food? Yeah, sure. So I got, I remember this, Mark. I got cat food, combos, and a Coke Zero. I'll never forget that. Coach Barry's got his like liverwurst sandwich and a thing of milk. I didn't even know they sold liverwurst. Oh, yeah. It was pretty good, actually, when I think about it. Meanwhile, nobody can eat because the smell is so bad outside. This is Coast Guard senior Grant Johnson. The bus driver drove 90 miles an hour through New York City. Felt like we were going to die. Got no sleep. I'm telling you, there were times on the Jersey Turnpike that the bus's wheels left contact with the highway. That is how fast it was going. We're really not going to make it home, are we? It was 5.30 when the bus pulled in. Every time I see a Peter Pan bus now, I like to have flashbacks. Jeff Prebeck was sympathetic to the bus driver's cause. He was almost like a scapegoat, you know what I mean? Like people took the aggression or just, just the end of our season out on him. I was like, I felt sorry for him. He's good in my book. The thing I would love to know is, is the guy really related to Reggie Jackson? That's just a <laughs> bunch of nonsense, too. Some questions are better left unanswered. And as the Bears debussed upon their return to campus as the sun was about to come up, Mike DeMuro had a thought. And I got home at 6 o'clock, and I wouldn't trade one second of that weekend. One last point. This part of the story is 100% true. The account is the same today that it was in 2008. Most of the players didn't remember it, but the people who do remember it will never forget it. I don't think any creative writer could come up with a better ending to that. Welcome to Episode 8, A Better Ending. Yeah, it's recovery and then refocus because the Academy doesn't slow down for anybody. So like, they don't care that you just ended your... NCAA tournament run and four years of playing basketball. Like you got to wake up at 6 a.m. the next day and go march on the parade field. Al Sowers and Jeff Prebeck still had one more basketball game left to play, a New England Division III All-Star game at which they were invited to represent Coast Guard. Several of the other players there were from the team that Coast Guard would have played had it beaten Ursinus, Division III powerhouse Amherst College. This is Al Sowers. I remember it just being like kind of a surreal experience and there was all these good players from all these teams and we're sitting there kind of during the shoot around and I remember a lot of them talking about workouts that they had just gone to do and a lot of them looking to go play overseas in Europe and in professional basketball but overseas because that's a lot of the market for division three players. So they're talking about who they have offers from, where they're looking to go, what workouts they just did for what people. And then they're, they kind of look at Jeff and I and they're like, what are you guys doing next year? And we're like, I'm going to a boat and he's going to a land unit in Louisville. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we're not going to play basketball. I'm going to a boat. The other event that it was after the season, we have what's called the Castle Dance. It was over in Rhode Island at a, a nice place. I invited up a friend care endurance you know i put on my whites you get to kind of feel good about yourself with a ring on your finger your class ring and your whites on and they say that a lady loves a man in uniform so i wanted to try that saying out well 13 years later care endurance is Kara johnson so it turns out it's true so that worked out well 
the last few weeks at the academy are transitional. You're getting ready for your new home. The apartment, the the commute, like what do you need to be an adult? Like I have to figure out like what adulting means. Classmates, we are a family of volunteers. May 21st, 2008 marked the end of one era and the beginning of another. That day was graduation day at the Coast Guard Academy. A family, whether we like it or not, here to preserve and protect our nation and humanity. The commencement speech was given by DeCarol Davis, the first black valedictorian in Coast Guard Academy history. For the Coast Guard, by any means necessary, is not simply a willingness to kill, but more so a willingness to die. It was also the day that these graduates were sworn in as ensigns in the United States Coast Guard, including the members of the Magnificent Seven recruiting class. Today, we must acknowledge that we are all human and maintain that awareness by any means necessary. The duties of the office of which I'm about to enter. So help me God. Congratulations, Jensen. Welcome to the officer court. They call your name. I go up on stage. I'm walking across and Admiral Allen shakes my hand and he says, it was an honor to watch you play basketball. The Commandant has a million things going on at any given time. And for him to, to, to specifically call it out uh, as I was walking across the stage is just a, a moment I won't forget. Our history is now. Shall we begin? There are many success stories within the Coast Guard Academy. And there are many among those who played basketball in the school from 2007 to 2011. This is former head coach Pete Barry. I think you can attribute to their being a part of an athletic team, a team that you would like to think Bob and I had something to do with whatever their path was going to lead to. Again, it was very open and open discussions and inside each and every one is a success story because they came here to be officers. They didn't come here to be basketball players. Al Sowers, Grant Johnson, and Steve Blum's first assignments were all on Coast Guard cutters in San Diego. And though their duties varied, they were able to reunite athletically for flag football and basketball. Along with other former Coast Guard and Merchant Marine Academy players, they formed a powerhouse team. We went on to win the basketball and the flag football championships in San Diego, which I believe is like maybe one of my highest athletic accomplishments in my life. The star of the basketball team was Steve Blum, the same Steve Blum who starred in the NUMAC championship games his last two years at the academy. Steve was better and kept getting better at basketball after we graduated the academy. We lived together in San Diego, and he kept getting bigger and stronger and better, like drop-step dunking, doing things at open gym 
after we graduated that I'm like, man, I wish that you could have done this three years ago. This is Steve Blum. The aircraft carriers have 5,000 people on them and they get to get put together a basketball team. Now we whooped up on them. That was definitely one of like my post post academy athletics whooping up on the aircraft carriers basketball team is one of my one of my high points. The life of a Coast Guard officer is itinerant. You do your service, you move on to the next stop. After San Diego, Al, Steve, and Grant went different ways. At guard, five foot ten, from Monrovia, Maryland, number ten. Al Sowers! Al Sowers went to Coast Guard headquarters in Washington, D.C., working in maritime cybersecurity. He also got his master's degree. You're going to notice a pattern here. Almost every member of the 2008 team has a master's or is pursuing one now. In 2011, Al married his girlfriend, Casey, who had been a year behind him at the academy and had even been a team manager for a time. They have two children. If you remember Al's story, you might remember he had health issues that nearly derailed his basketball career. He had hepatitis in his senior year of high school. In 2015, he had another health issue. This one much more serious. I played golf every day. I went to grad school. Life was great. In 2015, I was having some vision trouble. And I went through several doctors and no one could really figure out what was going on. And eventually I had an MRI done and I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And so I was scheduled for emergency surgery at Walter Reed uh, Hospital in Bethesda and went in and, and had the brain tumor removed. But during the surgery had some negative complications and ended up getting medically retired from the Coast Guard. So. I was nine years in active duty and everything kind of came to an abrupt uh, ending and, and everything got cut short. I can remember many instances watching Al pinball through obstacles and deterrence in basketball games. He did the same with his post-Coast Guard career. I had my clearance, I had my education and certifications, and I had really good experience in the Coast Guard. and. So I kind of coupled all of that into launching my own company when I got out with the idea of doing it by myself for a year just to make sure from a health perspective that I was able to to work as hard as I needed to build and grow a company. And so after the first year, things went pretty well and I was able to do a lot of business development and networking and branch out. Now I can say that my company, One Zero, which is named after my basketball number 10, is a government contracting cybersecurity company. And we're on seven different federal contracts across seven different agencies. We're at the 20 person mark right now, going to a military academy and then getting the, the knowledge and experience and learning the discipline of the military life naturally set you up for success in whatever it is that you want to do, either in the Coast Guard or post-Coast Guard career. Al Sowers is the basketball team's all-time leader in assists and three-point baskets, and ranks tied for third in career points. This might be an individual award, but it's not an individual accomplishment. Al Sowers was inducted into the Coast Guard Athletic Hall of Fame in 2021. None of us got here on the 
He was the second member of the Magnificent Seven recruiting class so elected. We'll get to the first in a little while. At forward, six foot seven, from Farmington, Connecticut, number 44, Steve Blum. Steve Blum's initial work at the Coast Guard was doing drug interdiction. But while in California, he got into coaching basketball. It was a very small high school. We just had one, like one varsity team. But I watched these kids in one season go from like not playing any semblance of team basketball. All of them wanted to play NBA basketball. And then we just worked on it and worked on it. And by the end, they were playing good team basketball and we won our conference championship. And uh, it, it was so eerily similar to a Coast Guard season kids were completely different but the progression that we went through was the exact same thing as the Coast Guard season where all the pieces fall into place at the end. I think it just speaks volumes to like how in our society we're so short-term focused and we're driven on the results everyone wants the results right away. We are like poster children of like embrace who you are keep working at it keep improving and good things will happen. Steve then went to graduate school at the University of Illinois where he got his master's in structural engineering which went along with his degree in civil engineering from the academy. He became a coach on the school's track team. One of the kids he coached introduced his sister to Steve. They're now married with two children. Steve settled into a job as a Coast Guard engineer. So that's like construction and environmental stuff, steel design, concrete design, and I I love it. Steve's latest stop has taken him back to his home state of Connecticut. He's now teaching at the academy and serving as an assistant coach for the men's basketball team. Part of the reason I wanted to come back to the academy is because I feel like I didn't apply myself as much as I could have academically. And I didn't realize that until senior year, you do a big like capstone project and we designed a system that would protect a Coast Guard unit from a flood. So like we designed a flood wall for Station New Orleans. I really embraced that and really dug into that. And that's when I was like, oh man, this academic stuff is actually a lot of fun. Like if you approach the academics the same way you approach basketball, it's a lot of fun. You just have to get in there, like be enthusiastic and be excited about it and have like a thirst for knowledge. And then all of a sudden the academics is just as fun as the basketball is. And so I came back because I kind of wanted to build that in cadets and work with people and try to get them, get them excited for academics the same way they're excited for other things. Steve Blum ranks third in Coast Guard basketball history in field goal percentage and fifth in blocked shots. At guard, six foot three, from Grayson, Georgia, number four, Grant Johnson! Grant Johnson's work has taken him to both sides of the country, first in San Diego, then in Jacksonville, Florida. Grant returned to the tri-state area for graduate school, earning a master's degree in organizational psychology from Columbia University. He returned to the academy as a company officer, helping oversee cadet leadership and development. While back, he too coached the basketball team. He later became an assistant basketball coach for the women's team at Johns Hopkins University in Maryland on his next military tour. Grant, his wife, and their two daughters currently live in Texas. I am in charge of the command center, and I equate it to like a 911 call center, but for the water. So we have folks on duty answering the phone 24-7, 
whether it's a, a pollution event, a hurricane, a search and rescue event, a law enforcement event. The folks that I work with are responding to that, notifying the right folks, sending the right assets. So it's pretty busy down here on the, the international border with Mexico. I love Texas, didn't know it, but I love Texas. Very similar to Georgia, right at home here. And my wife and I have been married 11 years, Kara. She's uh, more adventurous than I am. She loves the Coast Guard life. She likes moving every two to three years. We've been, like I said, everywhere, New York City. I went back to the Coast Guard Academy as a company officer. So I got to see the Academy full circle. And I have two beautiful daughters, but we're a soccer house right now. I've got Eli and Reese. But they both have taken after soccer, which is great. I actually love soccer, too. I wake up and watch the Premier League. So I'm, I'm appreciating the beautiful sport. When Grant thinks back to his time at the Academy, he most remembers how it taught him what hard work really was. It's not necessarily about how you test out or your, your, your intellect. If you're smart and lazy or skilled and lazy, that's not going to get you very far. But the reason we went far athletically as a team was because we were all willing to work hard, whether that's study for a test, slide your feet the extra foot on defense, fight for the rebound. The academy helped us with that. Sports helped us with that. And I think it's, it's what we know now. Grant Johnson ranks 12th in school history in career points and third in both assists and three-point shots. That forward, six foot six, from Columbus, Indiana, number 32, Jeff Prebeck. Before leaving, I, uh, I think I just, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm just gonna like, Take it all in one last time, because I'm never going to come back to New London. Jeff Prebeck went separate from his fellow cadets, taking a land billet in Louisville, Kentucky. It was there that he met his wife. Jeff and Brianna have two children. Married to my best friend. Absolutely. Just rocking my life. We're just a really tight-knit family and have a lot of fun being together. In the military, there's a term, five and dive that applies to those who do their five years of obligatory service and then leave the military. When Jeff Prebeck was a student, he had plans to manage a NASCAR team once his military service was complete. But he stuck around. And it wasn't until I got married and our second duty station in Cleveland where I was like, Brianna, my wife, like, just got married. She left everything. For us, we're starting this, this new family, this new life together. And she had a job, she had a home, she had friends, and she decided it was more important to invest in the Coast Guard and in my career. And I'm not gonna take it seriously? Come on, what has the Coast Guard done that's so bad? I've had an incredible academy experience, an incredible education. I have the best friends that I'll carry forward for the rest of my life. We got to play basketball and had some awesome journeys. When you start really kind of going down the list, you're like, wait a minute, why am I not putting forth 110%? That's not who I am. That's not part of my DNA. And as soon as I actually changed the attitude and started trying, it was like, man, this is, this is good. And, and I actually enjoy this and I want to make a career out of this. Prebeck did return to the Coast Guard Academy as a company officer after his time in Cleveland. Seeing things as someone who was responsible for developing military leaders gave Prebeck a fresh perspective on his time as a cadet. 
coming back and just like putting your heart into into each one of these cadets and like working with them and just you know advocating for them speaking on their behalf like doing all this stuff behind closed doors with other officers and, and faculty and coaches and there's just a lot and, it, and, and a lot of effort and passion and energy goes into each and everyone's development and now he plays an important role in protecting the homeland i am the enforcement chief so basically anything and everything law enforcement on the water between new jersey pennsylvania like delaware river delaware watershed and then the, the entire coastline of Delaware, like that's my game. President Biden, obviously Delaware is his home state. And so anytime that he is moving in the state, we're doing security zone enforcement. So like whether it's his motorcade, whether it's a rally, whether it's a site visit, if he's crossing a bridge or close to the water, we're shutting down that portion of water. So I'm working with the Secret Service, working with all the local law enforcement agencies that have a maritime nexus. That's been really cool. That's definitely a one in a million opportunity just because who would have thought Delaware out of all places. And so that's just really been neat and been a really cool just experience thus far. Looking back on it years later, one of the things that Prebeck greatly appreciates is that his best ability was availability. What I'm most proud of is you look at Grant, me, Al, and I say those three just because started every single game, played every single game. Like how rare is that so like where you go an entire four years just with that as a benchmark, just for one person, but we had it for three and we had the same coaching staff. And I just think that the, just the support network that surrounded us and really just, it enabled us to be ourselves, to grow at our own pace. The trust was there. And I think you saw the fruits of our labor and just the process. We were just coming into our own we were learning how to play with each other and it would have been very easy for the coaches to say, you know what, this isn't working. Like we're pulling Jeff. We're going to put in this person. Grant, you're out. Like we're done. And they didn't, they like kept to the process and starting really sophomore year into junior year, like you started to see things come together. In 2013, three Coast Guard basketball players, Mark Harris, Sam Chung, and Jeff Prebeck were named to the New England Basketball Hall of Fame. Couldn't believe it. Like, I, I, just, I thought it was like a prank call. You know what I mean? What? So for me, like, that was just really, it was just really humbling just to say, you know what? Like, my body of work over four years, I know I wasn't the best player necessarily, but I was consistent in what I did, and I always put forth the effort. And so just having someone acknowledge that and to say, we want to represent not only the Coast Guard, but the new Mac Division Three was New England basketball, and, and Jeff's going to be our nominee. Man, that was just so humbling. Five years later, Prebeck became the first player from the Magnificent Seven recruiting class elected to the Coast Guard Athletic Hall of Fame. So I was a company officer. We were doing Swap Summer, and Captain Wester called me in his office. He was like, hey, Jeff, like we need to talk. And so I go down there. I'm like, yes, Captain. He's like, hey, Admiral wants to see you. And I was like, sir? They're like, Admiral never wants to see you. Like, who am I? I'm a lieutenant. You know what I mean? And he was like, yeah, I don't know what it's about, but we need to go now. It's urgent. And I was like, oh, man, am I getting fired? What's going on here? And Admiral called me in his office, closed the door, and was like, hey, I just want to congratulate you in person. Like, you're being inducted in the Hall of Fame this year. 
And that Mark was like so special to me because he could have just called, he could have sent an email. It could have just gone through the athletic department and Admiral took time out of his schedule to do that for me. And that was just a, just something that he wanted just to give me. And, and it's a huge honor because I don't just see it as what I did for four years. I also see it as kind of like carrying a torch. It's almost like I'm an ambassador now for the Academy because whoever sees my name on the wall or points me out of a crowd just because of this nomination. It's almost like, it's kind of like a higher calling. It's a duty to say, this is the institution that I represent that have selected me. Prebeck ranks second in school history in both career points and rebounds. Prebeck, Al, and Grant Johnson are tied for first in games played. At guard, six foot one from Vilnius. Lithuania, number three, Showtime, Donatis Shodinas. Donatis Shodinas was the Lithuanian who stuck it out for four years, even though his playing time was minimal. He was very well liked by his teammates and kept the mood loose. Showtime always played like he was in the NBA Finals. He was uh, creating the Eurostep at the same time as Mano Ginobili. Donatus had a change of plans after graduating from the academy. Rather than enter the Lithuanian Navy, he went to graduate school in Sweden, where he earned a master's degree in integrated electronic system design. He's since gone on to work for Volvo, the car maker. He's been with them since 2010, first in Sweden and then in Charleston, South Carolina, where he lives with his wife Sandra and their newborn son. Donatus has always loved basketball. First, he went into coaching, and like Steve Blum, his situation had reminders of his time at Coast Guard. So I coached the 13-year-olds for four years until they became 17-year-olds in, in Gothenburg, Sweden. Now, it was purely to, because I was a, a grad school student and I needed some extra cash. And when I came, I got their attention very quickly. I used some swap summer skills, you know, but I also motivated them in a certain way. And then, and guess what? They, they became a winning team. We lost uh, our first game by 70 points to a team who, who was one year older than us. And two years later, we beat that team in the final game after overtime. It cannot be anything better than this for me. It's like a, it's like an American movie. You come in the beginning, you lose, you all, you're, you're all terrible. And then two years later, we come back in glorious win and guess what we won. And I'm, I'm not joking. And I was, and Instagram, I have the picture when they're throwing me. These kids, like, they're throwing me up in the air, which is like uh, the way to, in Europe to celebrate the, the winning coach. And some of the guys, they, they call me coach. And that's the best thing. But again, I wouldn't have all this without Coach Barry and Coach Bono's experience within four years of the camp. Then Donatus decided to try officiating. He's reached the highest levels of refereeing in Sweden. Now he refs college basketball part-time in the States. We were practicing one time. He was here. And he came to practice. He had some good points. And he, like, guys, when you set a screen, do it this way. Because if you do it, he goes, if you do it the way you're doing it, he goes, it's the easy way for a referee to call foul. He had, he had good points. It's wow. good, he, yeah, he's sharp. Sharp indeed. And speaking of Sharp... I'll just give my quick career rundown. That's team manager Zach Robertson. 
the organizational whiz who was the non-playing member of the Magnificent Seven. I was assigned to a high-endurance cutter, the Cusker Cutter Midget, out of Seattle. We were a counter-narcotics unit for those two years. Finished that off being a floating command center for the Canadian Winter Olympic Games, managing the international security for that. And I went to Virginia Tech for two years, had a blast, and got my uh, master's in mechanical engineering, paid for by the Coast Guard. I went to Coast Guard headquarters to the Marine Safety Center, where I did safety and engineering review for commercial vessels. Then I went to Seattle for three years, became a Marine inspector, um, inspecting commercial vessels. Zach's attention to detail made him an ideal military person. He's now based in Louisiana, where he's had to deal with significant hardships. His house was destroyed by Hurricane Ida. I'm the chief of prevention at Marine Safety Unit Morgan City. I oversee the inspections division, the investigations division, which investigate marine casualties and uh, mariner deaths on federal waters or international waters. And I also oversee the VTS, the Vessel Traffic Service, which is like air traffic control for the water. My department's about 70 people. I want to pause the Coast Guard portion of the story and tell you about what happened to Antoine Coleman of WPI. Remember him? God, I hated playing them, though. I hated playing. I hated playing Coast Guard. Coleman was the new Mac Player of the Year in 2008 the year Coast Guard won its second straight league championship. Antoine Coleman left WPI to become a pro basketball player in Italy. His team asked him to switch from power forward to point guard, a huge adjustment. And just as Antoine's career was beginning, it quickly came to an end when he injured his knee. You might remember something else about Antoine Coleman. And he was very into like war and warriors and kind of ancient history and swords. After his basketball career ended, Antoine Coleman enrolled in the United States Marine Corps. And his life got very serious very quickly. So I literally was in Italy for a year, living the best life. And a year later, to the day, I was in Afghanistan. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was like a quick, it was a quick changeover because the unit I ended up going straight to was going to Afghanistan when I got there. They were like, hey, we're we're booting up, you you coming or not? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I got out of boot camp, went through MCT, which is like our Marine Combat School, and then I was in Afghanistan next year, 2011. It was that quick. We were in there for a year with 125, 1st Battalion, 25th Marines. Antoine Coleman was in the Marines for 10 years. He's now living in Massachusetts, where he started his own business, working on heating, piping, and air conditioning systems. As for the students who still had time remaining at the academy after 2008... And forward, six foot six, from Medford, Oregon, number 33, Craig Johnson! Craig Johnson returned for his senior year. Remember, he had spent a year in Honduras on a humanitarian mission and was thus a year behind the other members of his Magnificent Seven recruiting class. The 08-09 Bears still had Craig, Eric Hudson, Stefan Lewis, and Javon James. But with so many players graduating, the team struggled. I think I put like undue pressure on myself. A disagreement with the team's coaches resulted in Craig not being a captain his senior year. Like if we lost... 
I remember feeling like the coaches thought it was my fault. But I think a lot of that was in my own mind and not like a, a true evaluation of the situation. And so I followed what I thought needed to be done. Again, as a like 18 to 22 year old, I think that was probably really frustrating for the coaches. But I had a really strong sense in my own mind of what I needed to do to help us win. And I was trying to do that. I don't know that I was always on the right path. So like coaches have like all of these personalities that they're trying to manage and coach and like they're making estimated guesses about how people respond to this type of instruction or this comment, but everyone doesn't receive comments and coaching the same way and like for what would be nothing to someone might feel like uh, a lot more of like an attack or like have a counterproductive result for somebody else so I'm like certainly assigning no blame I just think I was an exceptionally hard person to kind of read and coach I was for, for reasons I mentioned earlier like very angsty and I had a lot of things going on Coast Guard lost to the eventual NUMAC champion MIT in the 2009 quarterfinals. It was the game that the Bears almost won, but for some missed free throws late and a clutch basket by an MIT freshman to force overtime. When the game ended, I watched as Craig congratulated the MIT coach, who had long been one of Craig's biggest fans. There was a look of relief on Craig's face. An unpleasant season was finally over. But Craig still places great value on his Coast Guard basketball experience. Craig Johnson's travels within the Coast Guard included stops in Charleston, South Carolina, San Francisco, and Washington, D.C. I graduated in 2009, moved to Charleston where I was on a ship for two years. We went down to the Caribbean and did counter-drug patrols. And then I went to San Francisco where I was on a deployable law enforcement team. We would deploy... We went to Obama's, protect Obama's house when he was on vacation in Hawaii. We would deploy around the country doing security, essentially. His basketball travels took him all over the world. Craig was able to find joy in playing basketball again after he left the academy. He made the All-Navy team and then the All-Military team, which competed in international events such as the Allied Powers Europe International Basketball Tournament and most recently at the CISM Military World Games in 2019. Craig won a silver medal competing with Team USA in Wuhan, China. Something about competing internationally against different countries uh, was, was incredible. We played against different pro teams, got to travel across Germany, Luxembourg, uh, Belgium, the Netherlands, a different trip to China. So the travel, the meeting new people, and get together for a month, intensive experience, away from work, away from any other distractions, provided a lot of opportunity also to learn about the game of basketball, what teams worked and what teams didn't. I think I also learned a lot about leadership through watching all of these different teams. I think I've played on maybe seven or eight different one month like teams so yeah you learn a lot about coaching about what it's like to be a captain what it's like to be you know playing off the bench starting trying to earn playing time 
trying to learn a whole, whole new set of rules gel with a new set of players. So the whole thing was just felt new every time, and I really, I really enjoyed that. With Don't Ask, Don't Tell lifted in 2010, Craig came out as gay, though not all of his former teammates may be aware of this. He was accepted to Harvard University's master's program in public policy. After getting his master's, he will return to the academy as a professor in the fall of 2022. When Craig finishes up at Harvard, all of the members of the Magnificent Seven will have received a master's, and he'll join Grant Johnson, Jeff Prebeck, and Steve Blum as those who came back to the academy. Each of those three have had a relationship with the basketball program upon their return. Craig hopes to do so as well. I'd love to be connected with the team in some capacity. So Steve's there. Justin Fellers is finishing up grad school, and he will be there from the team that we're talking about. There'll be three of us there, so I hope that we'll all be connected in this at some point. Craig Johnson is the Coast Guard Academy's all-time leading scorer. He also ranks second in field goal percentage and third in rebounds. At guard, six foot one from Port Angeles, Washington, number twenty-one, Justin Church. Justin Church was a captain on the 2009 men's basketball team. He and Craig were the first-class students, the seniors. While Craig was the team's star, Justin was in a supporting role. Justin took the lessons he learned from the players who preceded him and applied them to the younger players. So that, that was a mentality. Grant did it. Al did it. And so that was what I was trying to show to the younger guys. It's a close team, and we're going to look out for each other. And even though we're back in the barracks and cadet life goes on, it doesn't mean that we're not all still a part of the team and looking out for each other. Hopefully, I, I was able to do that for a lot of the younger players. Justin graduated in 2009 and went on to flight school, a prestigious path in the Coast Guard with stops in Oregon and Alabama. He became a search and rescue pilot and was part of a team that received an award from the Coast Guard for one of his missions. I'm the aircraft commander of a crew. We're on a 24-hour duty shift. So the call comes in about 2 a.m. And the call is for fishermen, which lost propulsion on the ocean, and they struck rocks and they were taken on water. The last thing I hear is they're abandoning ship and they're getting in their life raft. And that was all we needed at that point. We were going to go head out, head after them. Because in that situation, we have four lives that are out there. And so it, it warrants maximum effort on our part to safely go out there the best we can to go and save these guys. Poor visibility, high winds, there's high sea states. We're able to zero in on them pretty quickly. But unfortunately, where they were at was in the lee of some massive offshore rock structures. And there was a 200-foot cape that jutted out from the mainland. And so as an aircraft, the winds are everything, a helicopter. And it was very turbulent, which makes it very challenging to hover. We got as close as we safely could, and we lowered our rescue swimmer into the water um, and let him swim the rest of the way. We provided cover and gave him our spotlight for him to work. Our swimmer, Darren Herity, he swam over a nautical mile. And this is through debris field, oil sheen, in the waves. And so he did this in roughly 48 degree water and half of it, he's pulling one at a time, but four very large Pacific Northwest commercial fishermen. And he took each one from the life raft and swam them to the nearest beach where there was EMS and, and rescue crews waiting. Darren, you did a phenomenal job. It was one of those things where it was the teamwork. There's no way I could have done that on my own. Absolutely no chance. 
Justin is married. He and his wife Megan have three children. He's currently going for his MBA in his home state at the University of Washington. Eric Hudson, Stefan Lewis, and Aaron Jones came in as freshmen in 2007. They were the senior leaders of the 2010 team, which lost to WPI in the conference playoffs. Coast Guard's playoff magic over WPI only worked in championship games. Edgar, six foot one, from Altadena, California, number 24, Ehud Eric Hudson. The last two years, definitely a struggle. We lost a lot of experience. Teams were a lot more focused on us. I think teams already had a lot, you know, more respect for us. We just didn't have enough. It was, it was fine. It was competitive. We did our best. I think I had a pretty successful college uh, experience. I wouldn't trade it for the world. As a fifth-year senior, Eric gave football a try. After suffering a hamstring injury, Hudson returned, and in the final game of the season, he caught a touchdown pass. All I wanted to say was I scored a college touchdown, and I was fine. That's it. <laughs> and I did it, so it was a goal met. Eric served five years in the Coast Guard with the latter part of his time being as an intelligence analyst. He continued to play basketball, teaming with Craig Johnson and Al Sowers in Coast Guard tournaments, while also competing on the Marine basketball team. In civilian life, Eric worked as an intelligence analyst as well. In 2018, he switched gears and began working for the FBI, assisting with the creation, development, and completion of government buildouts. He lives in Los Angeles and continues to serve in the Coast Guard Reserves. I have an Academy grad there who's with me as my, my ops boss, but yeah, Academy never really leaves you. Eric Hudson's mark on the Academy remains intact as well. He still holds the school record for most steals in a season. Edgar, five foot eight, from Warner Robins, Georgia, number 15. Stefan Lewis! Stefan Lewis became the starting point guard after Al Sowers graduated. I remember having to set that example and be that leader for the, the younger guys. I think those next two years, I felt like we were always missing it. Just that one more person that would be that key player to help us get over the hump. So definitely a lot more losses than wins compared to the, the first two years, but I enjoyed my career and don't really have any regrets. I think I'm most proud of that we had stick to and no matter how many times we were down or we lost, we kept fighting back. Lewis remains in the Coast Guard. He's worked in Alaska, Alabama, and Florida. He then got his MBA from Emory University in his home state of Georgia and now works in Washington, D.C., at headquarters as a financial analyst. I think the biggest reason I stayed in was the selection at graduate school. So I'm a first generation college student. So growing up, my parents always wanted us to go to college. And once I earned my bachelor's degree, I saw the opportunity to earn a master's graduate level degree debt free. So I think that's the biggest motivation for staying here. Stefan's basketball days were cut short by knee surgery. He and his wife, Tora, have two little boys. Hopefully they'll be basketball players one day, too. 
Stefan Lewis ranks ninth in Coast Guard history in career three-point field goals made. He and Eric Hudson are tied for fourth in career games. Edgar, six foot one, from Urbana, Ohio, number fifty, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones was praised by Coach Barry for being one of the team's leaders in that tough 2009 season. It's a little bit tougher to navigate as a captain, trying to hold people accountable to things when you may not be the guy on the floor. So I appreciate him saying that. There definitely were people, different leaders in different ways on that team. I guess the only way I think I could really contribute in a leadership role was just trying to set an example. Aaron graduated and did tours in San Francisco and Houston before getting picked for flight school. He's currently in Washington, D.C. with Stefan. Aaron is newly married. He has an important job with a direct role in protecting the country. So I'm here in the Capitol doing airspace protection, enforcing a restricted zone around the Capitol. And our primary job is just to intercept any traffic that is unauthorized to come in to the, uh, the flight restricted zone and identify those personnel as either hostile or, or not and get that information to NORAD commanders and, and higher-ups to make the decision on how to deal with that threat. Head forward, six foot five, from St. Thomas, Virgin Islands, number 34, Javon James. Javon James, the freshman from the Virgin Islands who was the spark of the 2008 team, took on a bigger role with each year in the Coast Guard basketball program. You know, everyone started to look at you for offense. You know, you, you know my role, of course, prior was defense and rebounds. And so it was, it was like, oh man, it's kind of overwhelming, you know. It was a big shift, you know. Honestly, I'm not sure if I was, you know, really ready for it, you know, going into my sophomore year. But after that, I think we... I did good for myself. One highlight for Javon was a blocked shot in the final seconds of the last regular season game of senior year. That block clinched a win and a spot in the NUMAC playoffs, and extended James' career by two games. He made 9 of 10 shots in his last game, a playoff loss to WPI. Javon graduated and went to sea, beginning in Alameda, California. Early in his Coast Guard career, he was part of a $72 million drug bust. Javon was in charge of navigating the boat that went after the drug dealers. He followed that up with a series of desk jobs. After 10 years of service, Javon left the Coast Guard and went into the private sector. He and his wife Brittany and son Maxwell live in Houston, where he puts his operations research and computer science education to work as a consultant for Deloitte. Javon is also an admissions partner for the Coast Guard Academy, trying to help boost the minority student acceptance and retention rate. I think my class graduated, you know, with four people, I think, that would consider themselves um, black. So it's, you know, really low low numbers across the board. That's getting better. You know, we just graduated a class with, you know, 30 plus students, which is, you know, from four to 30. That's amazing, you know, but, you know, still, still some work to do. You have to still understand that this isn't a real opportunity. This is an opportunity to get first-class education, first-class job right out the gate, very stable job, honestly, right out, right out the gate. There's no downside to being successful at the Coast Guard Academy. And just because there's no other 
you know, black students can't be the only deterrent for you to not not want to go there. Now, of course, it's just, there's many other ways to be, you know, successful throughout the world. There's a lot of HBCUs that do very well and so forth. And if you can get into those, sure, do it. But if you get into the academy here, you just, the trajectory is just so fast, so quick. It's uh, it's hard to be, you know, and I, I'm seeing the benefits of that, you know, being being the position that I am am in right now. So my coaster experience. Overall, I'm appreciative. You know, this journey propelled me from very humble beginnings to pretty good place where I am now. I have since left the, the military and I'm, I'm prepared to do whatever, you know, I, I decide to do, you know, moving forward with my career. It's the, the Coast Guard, I have a lot to thank uh, for the Coast Guard, just in my you know, preparation of being a, a person, you know, a husband, you know, and a, a man in society. So, you know, overall, I'm just appreciative of the, uh, my Coast Guard Academy and, and Coast Guard experience in general. Javon James is Coast Guard's all-time leader in block shots. At forward, six foot seven, from Haskell, Texas, number forty-three. Bambi Ryan Burgess. Let's circle back and remember heart-dunking, soft-talking Ryan Burgess, who graduated in 2007, a year before the Elite Eight run. Ryan was a key player on the 2007 team that went from last place to winning the league championship. He was the only senior on that team the only one to stick around after the team went 3-20 when he was a freshman. Burgess and Al Sowers reconnected when the two of them were stationed at Coast Guard headquarters, and Al was amazed by what he saw. We went down to the Coast Guard basketball tournament, and Ryan Burgess, I think, might have got the MVP. Like He was just as athletic a few years out of the academy, and nobody could guard him, and he was like dunking on people. Ryan Burgess was like the most athletic person I ever met that didn't know he was that athletic because I I kept in touch with him a little bit. Like he got out of the Coast Guard. And when I called him and if you know him, this will just make you laugh. It was like, what are you going to do? And he's, I'm just going to go to grad school and teach myself how to play piano. And that was his post Coast Guard plan. I haven't talked to him in a few years, but like he legit just got out of the Coast Guard and went to teach himself how to play piano thought he was joking, but he was dead serious. Ryan's actual plan was to move back to Texas and get a job selling insurance. He's single and lives in Dallas near his family. His good memories of Coast Guard basketball are a reminder of the chance that he was given by Coach Barry and Coach Bono. They were both really nice to me. I felt like they gave me, my senior year, they gave me a lot of playing time that I didn't deserve that just because they they wanted to reward my commitment, my effort. And they were just, I'm not, I don't have the basketball intelligence to tell you if they were great coaches, but I thought they were great to play for. I think they played you because you were good. Well, thank you. Ryan Burgess's praise of Coach Barry and Coach Bono was echoed by so many people from the 2007 and 2008 teams. After a stressful 2009 season following the departure of the Magnificent Seven, head coach Pete Barry realized that it was time to retire. He had been a head coach for four decades and experienced the highest level of success at both the beginning and the end of his career. 
he knew that the rest of his life needed to be more than counting the wins and losses. Greatest job in the world, Coast Guard Academy. If I were a professor of history here, greatest job in the world. But because I'm involved in athletics and teaching health PE, it was the greatest 20 years of my life from a coaching perspective. You better learn how to lose. And you better learn how to accept losing and make adjustments in losing. Otherwise, you won't feel how great it is to win. Coach Barry was the, the, the greatest coach that I've ever had. And it wasn't just the basketball element. He understood what we were going through in life. He understood that this was just a game. And it, if anything, it was a release from our academy experience to where we could bond as a team and, and we could celebrate something bigger than ourselves. And it was outside the walls of Chase Hall. Pete Barry is a member of both the Coast Guard Academy and the University of San Francisco Athletic Halls of Fame. In the years after his retirement, he'd come to games and watch. He always looked very relaxed. I don't have routines. I, I don't make any plans. I'm a reader. I, the only electronic equipment I have is a Kindle. And I have almost 200 books in about 10 years since I've had it. And I read two hours a day. That's my sanctuary. Sometimes longer. If I'm out on a deck or lounging in the pool, that's my big deal. I meet socially with coaches every week, once a week. Here we solve all the world's problems, create a few more, I guess. But life is great. Life is great. And you got to keep showing up. Try not to make too many plans. After Coach Barry retired, Coast Guard did a nationwide search for his replacement. It settled on someone in its own backyard. Volunteer assistant Kevin Jaskowitz. One of the things that I was amazed at just watching Pete for the three years that I worked with him was just how he and coach, how they manage that stuff. Anytime that the academy is hiring new coaches, it's one of the first thing, all the experienced coaches, it's one of the first things we talk about right away. It's just that you have to understand that this is different than any other place you've coached at. And, and then your athletes are going through different things. And I think a lot of people like, like I did, you, you think it's a college, but they just happen to wear a uniform and there's some military part to it, but it's really not. It's really a military installation and they're, and they're going to college and, and you've got to find a way to, to fit, fit all the stuff that you're trying to get accomplished. One of the things that's cool about Kevin is that he's local to New London and played for Bob Bono in high school in the 1980s. One time, the team van drove them past the Coast Guard Academy. Uh, I never forget it. Like he goes, Jaspers, that's a place you should go to. And I was like, coach, not smart enough and not really thrilled with people telling me what to do all the time. So <laughs> not a good mix. Instead, Kevin went to nearby Eastern Connecticut State and then got an assistant coaching job at nearby Connecticut College under Glenn Miller. Conn College went to the final four of Division Three. Miller turned that into a job as head coach at Brown University, where Kevin was his top assistant. When Glenn left for Ivy League rival Penn, Kevin applied for Brown's head coaching job and lost out to President Obama's brother-in-law, Craig Robinson. Kevin came back to the area and taught history at New London High School. He became a volunteer coach at the academy in 2007, just in time for the magic runs. Under Coach Jaskowitz, the program has had good years, okay years, and a few rough years. But in 2016, a recruiting class came along that had the same promise as the Magnificent Seven. 
a large core of freshmen that stuck it out for four years. In their senior year, Coast Guard qualified for the revamped New Mac playoffs by winning its last four games of the season after a 2-8 start. The Bears rallied from 10 points down to beat Emerson in the quarterfinals, then rallied from 11 down to upset the number one seed Springfield in the semis. That set up a matchup last seen 12 years prior. The comeback kids of Coast Guard against WPI for the 2020 New Mac Championship. The morning of the championship game, I sent Coach Jaskowitz, a huge Boston baseball fan, a message. If the 2004 Red Sox can do it, so can the Bears. The 2004 Red Sox trailed the Yankees three games to none and were down to their last three outs of the ALCS against Hall of Famer Mariano Rivera. And they probably still had a better chance to win than these Bears did against WPI. And that'll bring us to halftime here in Worcester. The score, WPI 47, the Coast Guard Bears 23. I was watching at home in Pennsylvania as WPI extended that lead to 25 points. It was deflating to see that score. I turned the game off for a few minutes. I'm told Coach Jaskowitz's father did the same. But we should have known. Never count out Coast Guard. Now a steal by Valdez. And he'll lay it in. Everything was going in WPI's favor the first half, and Coast Guard in the first four minutes have come out and dominated. Three on the way is good by Tyler Perez. Lead down to eight. Three on the way by Kane, and he sinks it. It's down to a one-point game. Next free throw is good as well, and the first lead of the game for Coast Guard comes at 7.51 in the second half. Perez for three, it's good. Perez is on fire. 23 points by Tyler Perez, and Coast Guard up by four. Down the floor to Lowderer, and he hits it. And WPI back in the lead. Justin Kane, the senior from Maryland, trying to tie it up here in Harrington Auditorium. Free throw is on the way and good. McNamara, five seconds. He'll pull up for three. No good. Battled, rebound, and we're going to overtime. Just so proud of the guys that I wanted to let them know. You know, I have them in. I'm like, hey, fellas, listen, whatever happens here, I'm just so proud of you. They all jumped me. They were like, forget about that, coach. We're winning this. We're winning this. We got this. We're winning this. Three short, no good. Valdez pulls down the board quickly to Drummond. Drummond lays it up and in. Noah Valdez, 18 points, 9 boards, gives the ball off for 3. Packy Witkowski, 5 point Coast Guard lead. Here comes McNamara. He's trying to get the ball into Downing. He'll throw up a 3. He misses at the buzzer. 
and Coast Guard is your 2020 New MAC Tournament champions. Coast Guard who trailed by 24 at halftime and for the third time when these two schools have met in the new MAC Tournament Championship game, it's Coast Guard defeating WPI. The biggest thing is the senior laden, a lot of seniors and a lot of game experience as well. So I think th those things are what they have in common outside of the obvious, real strong competitive spirit. And there's the inner confidence, right? So there's the self-confidence, there's a confidence in each other, there's a trust in each other as a group. And, th and those things came out and they're able to display themselves because of all the experiences that they had together. And I think the 08 team would tell you, that team would probably tell you the same thing. Those guys have been through so many games together that they knew each other's strengths and they knew they were confident that they were able to you know, overcome things. The Bears won the New Mac Championship just before COVID struck. They played gamely in the NCAA tournament but fell to SUNY Brockport, a team comparable to the ones that Coast Guard faced in 2008. The current version of the basketball program has something to build on. I think the biggest thing is just the learning about there's going to be highs and lows like people and prior to that, Pete and those guys went, they went through the same thing. There's going to be highs and lows as you go through it. And it's difficult if you get a player who, who leaves your program because just swab summer or something's not good. But for them, it's just not a good fit for them. Or they get injured and they leave your program. What's different for us is we don't get the opportunity to replace that player right away. Just learning about those challenges and those things, I think that's the biggest thing. And I think the, it's an opportunity for the athletes. They love to compete. We give them an opportunity to compete and we give them an opportunity to compete at a high level and but we're still giving him great coaching we still care about him we're supporting him just like just he did his entire his entire tenure here so we're doing the same thing there it's very similar but we're proud of that tradition sam chung tried different coaching experiences he worked as an assistant on coast guard's women's basketball team then became head basketball coach at a local high school in nearby montville then an opportunity to become a college head coach came up and sam took it he became the head coach for the University of Connecticut at Avery Point men's basketball team. I enjoy the fact that I could be an influence to young men. I love the fact that these are kids that are under-recruited in high school or were not really given the opportunity. Sam stepped down as head coach following the 2021-22 season. Meanwhile, Bob Bono, who joined the Coast Guard program as an assistant coach in the mid-80s, continued to work as an assistant coach under Kevin Jaskowitz, whom he'd coached in high school. I think the, the best thing, the best thing that I would say about, about coach, and I think everybody, you know, who played for him or worked with him would just say, as a coach, I just really appreciated the fact that he always knew when he had to put his arm around you, and then, but he also knew when he had to get more out of you. And so he knew both and he was always balanced and he always checked with it. He, he knew, and if you watch him now, and I see him every day, you've seen him every day for the last 12 years. And if you watch him now when he's coaching, he's always checking in with the player. He checks in with the players every day and, and has a really good idea, really just is about how they're doing. That's a really a critical point, not just coaching at an academy, but just coaching period. Just let the athletes know that, that you care more about them than when they're just playing for you. I tell people all the time, like, that's who I wanted to be. I wanted to be like him. I wanted to have that balance and feel like that that my players would say anybody who worked with me would kind of say the same thing the faces changed but coach bono was a constant presence why did he stay that's a good question 
I had no aspirations of going anywhere else. I grew up here. This is what, what I know. And my family's here. And you work with good people. I like the people I work with. I like the kids I coach. That's pretty good stuff. In the fall of 2021, Coach Bono announced his retirement after 34 seasons as a Coast Guard basketball assistant. He spent more than 40 years as a basketball coach. Bono was the toughness. Bono helped make us tough. Coach Bono knew he could get more out of you and um, pushed you. I, it was, <laughs> I needed it. I needed it as a freshman. I needed it as a sophomore. And I needed it more as a junior and senior when I, you know, it was getting tough. I never wanted to let Coach Bono down. Like, I just have so much respect for him. And it's like, when you make a good play, I would look at Coach Bono. My parents came out when they could, but for, for me, it was like, all right, what does Coach Bono think? Or how can I improve? So I, I would make a lot of eye contact with him during the games, not only for support, but just, just you know, because I was I was working and playing hard for him. I really wanted to kind of keep that respect he would always say you know like my guy and I really appreciated that because I really did feel like I was his guy you know he really helped kind of shape our motto and and I know that I earned his trust and I never wanted to lose that this brings us to a question and we start with coach Bono what is the lasting legacy of the 2007 and 2008 Coast Guard championship men's basketball teams 2008 team, I would say, is the greatest team that Coast Guard Academy has ever produced in any sport. I would say that would be their legacy. Nobody has done I don't think anybody ever will. For what they accomplished, for, for the timing to be right, the personnel to come together. It's fortunate for me, the coaches to come together. A very, very special team. And, and again, I think perhaps the best team, certainly the best basketball team in Academy history. Somewhere I have the net. It's in a scrapbook, I think. It's a memory, Mark. It's just one of those things you got to go through. You, you got to go through the three and twenties, and you got to go through twenty-four and seven. It was cherished. Their legacy. They're their champions. They're back-to-back champion. That certainly will stand the test of time. No doubt about that. To be able to have that type of success at a military academy is just always going to be unique. But to then double down like we did and go on the run in the NCAA tournament and play three teams that were highly ranked in the nation throughout the year all within a week is just incredible for us and it's unfortunate that it came to an end but it'll be something that we always remember a lasting legacy we're in a very unique position especially in college basketball where it's a lot of one and done it's a lot of just like prepping for the next level the next league whatever it is and here you have four years and if you get the right group of players with the coaches that are focused not only on the team not only on the game but like the personal development, like you can really get a great product. And I think we saw that. The team's legacy is that we were freaking smart basketball players. Grant, Al, Jeff, Craig were ridiculously smart basketball players. And we were never the most athletic team to step out on the court. We usually weren't the biggest team to step out on the court, but they knew how to break down an opponent and just like super fundamental basketball it's a model that like we won with fundamentals and we never wavered from that 
we weren't the tallest, we weren't the fastest, we weren't the strongest necessarily, but it was the ability to play together. And that's what I love about basketball in general is it's that ability to play together and to and to make plays happen, even if you're if the other team is more physical than you. The lasting legacy of that 2018 team is we played hard and we played tough, and we played like a team when it mattered. And, and when the gears did click, it clicked at the right time. A solid group of basketball players that were very coachable and wanted to do well and were committed to doing their best. And they kept our composure and then, then and we did what we were supposed to do. I think the 07-08 Bears are just a demonstration of true competitors. There's a lot of talent there and there's a lot of athleticism, but I think a lot of times the guys just figured things out. There was, there was a lot of guys who had a lot of talent and could have done a lot of good things on their own and sacrificed a little bit of themselves to make that team come together and work. And it didn't always happen, but it, the sacrifice and the competitiveness came together at the right times. Gosh, I never really thought about that. I guess I think of it more, less in terms of how we will be remembered and more in terms of how we will remember it. And like the lessons that we've learned playing together just have paid dividends in my life. Interpersonal skills, hard work, like determination, not giving up, like those are all things that I think we learned on that team. And so I would say less of what we would be remembered for and more what we will remember from it and be able to take it and hopefully pay it forward to the next generation of basketball players, of, of Coast Guard officers. I just remember the, the lasting friendships, honestly. The wins and the championships were nice. The relationships are what I remember the most. We knew what it was to work hard, to rely on each other. That's carried over to my adult life. I meet new people every three years when I rotate and you, they quickly become your teammates as you're responding to this hurricane or this natural disaster or this search and rescue case. So really valuable. And, it helps that, that there were wins and, and successes along the way because you put so much time and effort that you, you want to be proud of it. I think it's quite memorable for those that were involved. Even the junior, the underclassmen from particularly that last NCAA run, I, I still have junior officers and lieutenants that come up to me and say, hey, were you, were you part of that 2008 basketball thing? Even if they didn't know us, the even the freshmen back then knew of the team and knew that was something special us going to the tournament that year and the excitement around it uh, i mean you absolutely remember just how much of the student body really surrounded the team through that whole drive probably the biggest legacy truly of the team is the, the friendships that have come from it jeff is absolutely a brother to me I've gone through various really tough times at various points of life, just normal life stuff that we all go through the pits at times. And man, he'll take my call any moment and we'll, we'll work through it and we'll talk it out, figure it out. And I know that I can get the same from any of the guys on, on the team. And that, that even goes with the parents. I've been stationed on the East Coast several times and for holidays and stuff. And I'll go visit different family members from the team or the teams themselves now, the players themselves. And just, we're always welcome at any of our homes and with any of our families. And that's the real legacy.
I think the thing that lasts is a story of of how a bunch of quote unquote no names or or a bunch of people or unexpected shook up college basketball. Like we did it not once, but we did it twice. We shook college basketball twice. We did improbable things two seasons in a row in two different ways. It's unheard of and it should be a 30 for 30 one day. Hey ESPN, I think I've got something for you here. What if I told you about the best March Madness story you didn't know? It's a story of courage and talent, of dedication and perseverance. It's a story that's worth remembering. It's a story that much like the Coast Guard itself, was built to last. A Lasting Legacy was hosted, produced, and edited by me, Mark Simon. My last thank you goes to all of you for listening.